get in, jump into uh, God's Word tonight just before doing that. Uh, right after the uh, evening service uh, uh, tonight, uh, downstairs, we have a, uh, an ice cream social, good old-fashioned ice cream social. We invite all of you to stick around, even if this is your very first week. Uh, it's really intended for you to get to know each other. We don't want you to just come in and go out and not have connections, and so this is a great opportunity, just a, a non-threatening, simple way to uh, just hang around for a few minutes and uh, get to know some people and, of course, eat something, which is always a, a positive. So uh, I encourage you to do that right after the service. It's downstairs. You can go down these steps, and you'll go to the bottom of the steps and then turn left. It's in the youth, uh, kind of the youth area, so I encourage you to do that. Uh, also, next weekend uh, is our Do Something event where we go out into the community, as Chris said a few minutes ago. Uh, on Saturday night, uh, next Saturday night, we're going to have a prayer time, uh, the kind of focused, uh, our worship service, we'll have worship and prayer, kind of focused on that event, so I encourage you to come back and we're going to invite the whole uh, church to that, but uh, uh, make sure you're here next weekend as we pray over uh, this effort to reach out and be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Uh, and then uh, finally, uh, we'll invite all of us then next weekend to the service on Sunday morning at 9.30, uh, and there'll be services going simultaneously uh, in the... Uh, uh, both in this room and on the other end of the building where we'll uh, have a short abbreviated worship service and then we're going to go out and you'll uh, meet in your teams wherever you're serving, get organized or, uh, and then grab your lunch and you can go out. Uh, I encourage you to wear your shirt if you don't have one or if you've got any questions, having a chance to sign up as Chris said earlier, uh, you can see uh, Chris afterwards uh, in the lobby or call, uh, call us, email us, whatever this week if you need some help. So, all right. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to, a, there's a great story uh, in the New Testament in the book of Matthew, Matthew 2. And as you're uh, uh, turning there, uh, we've started a series called Restore, and really the purpose is to remind us why we exist. Uh, last week we talked about a passage in Jeremiah 29, uh, where we were reminded that uh, even though we live in exile, even though we live in this crazy world that gets crazier all the time, uh, and we could name any number of reasons why we would, could say that, uh, in the midst of that, uh, we're also reminded that this, it's, this isn't home, that we have an eternal uh, home somewhere else, and that until the time that we are called uh, to go home, Jeremiah 29, uh, reminds us that we have been called to seek the peace, the prosperity, the the welfare of the people where God where God's planned us. So here in this area, uh, in this world, this generation, uh, we need to be doing what we can to be the hands and the feet of Christ. Uh, and so we learned that last weekend. And we need to be reminded occasionally why we exist. We run into trouble when we forget why we exist as a church. We run into trouble when we think that we exist uh, as the keepers. The church exists because we're keepers of past traditions or some style of music. Uh, uh, churches get off track when they, uh, in error, think that that's why they exist. Uh, we run into trouble when we think that the church exists uh, because of the already convinced, that, 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 that that's why we exist, to serve those that are already convinced of Christ. Uh, we run into trouble when we think about that church is all about me. What does it provide for me? How does it help me? What can it do for me and my family? And even though their church is wonderful and does those kind of things, that's not the primary purpose of why exist to be just about us. And again, we run into trouble when we think that the church exists uh, because it's, it's this place where I can get some, some business contacts, or I can, I can uh, this is an opportunity for my career advancement, I can, I can do that in this place called the church. There are a lot of reasons for the church. Those are not reasons why the church exists. It's good to be, rem to be reminded why we exist. Dietrich Bonhoeffer 
said this in some letters that he wrote in prison. He said, the church is the church only when it exists for others. Not dominating, but helping and serving. It must tell men of every calling what it means to live for Christ, to exist for others. And so with that said, here is our vision statement, our mission statement. Again, here's why we exist. And we say this occasionally, but as we've said before, vision leaks. So we need to be reminded of this. But our, this is our, our vision, our mission, igniting Christ's passion in everyday people to restore God's ideal. Jesus told us in the Great Commission to go into the world and to make disciples, to, to go and to, uh, and to help people to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. And so as we do that, to then apply what we learned last week, we're to do that in this, uh, with this thing in mind that we learned last week, to do that as we seek the peace, the prosperity, the welfare, the wholeness of the community in which we have been called. And the purpose as we love our world, as we reach out into our world, is that people's lives will be changed. People's lives will be transformed. That's what we want people to experience here, life transformation. We want to present the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when that message of Jesus Christ, when, when that message, when people really understand it and, and when, 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 when they see what Jesus and who Jesus is, it has the power to transform lives. And that's what we want to see happen here at First Church to see lost people, to see people that are far from God, to see people that are disconnected from Jesus, and to get connected to Jesus as a result of us working together, of our mission, of our, our being the church and living as the church. And so to make that, to, to accomplish that, to, to see it happen, we've set a goal, a vision, a dream over this next year, and here it is. There's two parts to it. And I've shared this with you uh, in a, a few times over the last uh, few months, but here it is. These are wildly important goals, and the first one is uh, we want to create a culture. And that's a kind of a cool phrase that means something, to create a culture of evangelism. And a culture of evangelism creates a culture where we understand it's not just about me. It's, it's for people that are yet to know about the love of Christ. And so I, I get that. So we want to create a culture around here that results in 150 people. It's just a goal. It's kind of arbitrary, but just kind of a wild goal that we wanted to, to set to see 150 people to be baptized, to see them come to Christ, uh, be disciples of Christ, and us to help them take those steps of being baptized. And then every person, uh, the second part of that goal is that every person who then is baptized, we want to pair with someone that can help them to guide them through a discipleship track within two weeks of that baptism. So we want everybody that's baptized, we want to disciple them. It's not just a, an experience we want them to have. We want them to become disciples of Christ. And so how can we help to facilitate that and to make that happen? There's a great story in Scripture. That, and there's some great points that can help us as we help to restore God's ideal as we work together individually and corporately together to restore God's ideal. And there's some principles, I think, that we can apply from this story that helps us as we work together to accomplish that, that mission, that vision that we have. And so, uh, again, in Mark 2, uh, the first 12 verses are this story. Let me just kind of set it up. Uh, Jesus is, uh, is at the beginning of his ministry. He's in a, uh, a place called Capernaum. Capernaum... Uh, is a little fishing village right on the Sea of Galilee, kind of north of uh, Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus did a lot of his early ministry around the Sea of Galilee. He did a lot of preaching and teaching and a lot of miraculous kind of things around that area. And so 
Jesus kind of had a base of operations, for lack of a better way to put that, uh, in uh, uh, Capernaum. And so uh, he is, is there. And so let me just kind of read the first few verses uh, as, as Jesus is, again, getting his kind of ministry started. And here he is uh, in Capernaum, and it says in verse 1, And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. Uh, When I had a chance a couple years ago to go to Israel, one of the places that we went was this little fishing village. They know where it was, Capernaum. Uh, They, in fact, uh, tradition, uh, they think they know where even Peter's house, who was a buddy of Jesus, of course, uh, may have been the place, actually, Peter's home, where he, we see him in this particular story at this house. Again, kind of his base of operation as he was there. Now, the, the, the homes that we saw that have been excavated from that first century, they're kind of simple, couple rooms, uh, stone kind of structures, uh, uh, flat roofs made of kind of thatch, reeds and mud and some tile or whatever, uh, doorway, and, and maybe 40 or 50 people could have crammed into, the, into this little house with Jesus uh, in there teaching people in the doorway, flowing out, flooding out into the, into the, the doorway uh, as he's, it says, preaching. He's teaching the word. He's sharing truth with them. Verse 3, as we go on with the story, and it says, And they came, bringing him, to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could got, not get near him because of the crowd, and so just kind of get that scene in your head of what's going on, this, this little house jam-packed with people that are trying to hear this teaching about Jesus' giving, and these, these, these four guys that, that have this friend that's a paralytic, and they're trying to get him to Jesus. It says, they, they couldn't because of the crowd, and so they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their heart, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive, uh, who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus... Perceiving in his heart that they thus questioned, or thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do they, he said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise up, or rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out, before, went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. So here's, here's this group of friends. Uh, these group of friends, uh, and maybe one of them, maybe this, one of these guys had, had had a miraculous experience with Jesus. Maybe he had been he- healed. Maybe he had been a crowd. Maybe one of them or two of them had been in a crowd where they'd seen uh, uh, Jesus heal somebody else. Whatever the situation is, they had gotten the memo that Jesus is this miracle worker. That their friend who's a paralytic, their friend who couldn't walk, that Jesus, maybe Jesus could do something about his inability to walk, the paralysis that that he had. And so they get this idea, if we could just get our friend to Jesus, 
In verse 3, it says, And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Jesus later would talk about them, after this hole is dug in the roof, that they lower him down on this bed. It would have been kind of not a bed in the traditional sense of a bed that we would sleep on, but just a a mat, a simple uh, roll out on the floor, sleep on a mat kind of situation, and kind of a bed roll kind of deal. and, and, and so again, get this picture in your, in your head of, of these guys that are, that are each grabbing a corner of this bedroll after they've made this decision, our friend, uh, in order to, 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 for him to get the help that he needs, we need to get him to Jesus. So, all right, we'll grab a corner, let's get him to Jesus. So the first thing that we can see in this story that it would be good for us to understand in our, for our own selves as we think about restoring God's ideals, we think about reaching people for Christ, as we think about bringing people like they did to Jesus, what do they see they did? Well, the first thing that we need is to get involved. It was going to work if, you know, one guy is trying to get him to Jesus. It took a group. There was uh, there were four of them, so we need to get involved. There were, you know, everybody grab a corner and let's get this guy to Jesus. I wish I uh, had a picture. If you, you can friend me on Facebook and you can see the picture. Last night uh, in our front yard, we've got some trees in our front yard. Uh, the boys had gotten uh, hammocks. And so we, have, we each have a hammock, uh, my two boys and I. And so uh, there's these two trees. And so Jacob had a hammock about this high off the ground. And then there was a second hammock about this high off the ground. And then there was a third hammock about this high off the ground. And I was in the middle hammock. And then the guys get the bright idea. Hey, let's, Dad, won't you get in the top hammock? The only way to get me at 45 or 46, however old I am now, uh, the only way, and it's pretty funny. So you should friend me. It's a funny picture. And actually, there's a video. Uh, in order f- uh, for this to happen, it was a family kind of experience because if you've ever gotten a hammock, you know, it's one thing when you get in them when they're on the ground, but when they're like this high up in the air, it's not an easy task. So it's a funny video. But Caleb's helping, Jacob's kind of steadying the ladder with his thing, Crystal's videoing it so that she could give it to the insurance company when they don't believe why I, or how I broke my arm or whatever. So it was a family affair. All of us got involved to get me up on the top uh, hammock. We need to get involved. That's what we see. These guys, they got involved to try to get their friend to Jesus. We talked about 150 people. That's a goal. That's a vision that we have. 150 people whose lives transformed by Jesus Christ. That doesn't happen unless we work together. Unless together we begin to pray. Together we begin to reach out beyond the walls of this church. Together. We each grab the corner of the mat. That's why I love about our church is that there's an openness to get our hands dirty, to, to work together, to see together lives transform. That's, that's uh, like when we, uh, we talk about children's ministry, that it takes this whole group of people, and when we work together and everybody grabs their little piece of the, the corner of the mat, we can see children coming to Christ. We can work together, and different ones of us can volunteer for different things, and we can see Things happen in youth ministry and kids can come to Christ. You can volunteer at a camp. You can volunteer at a, at a youth meeting. You can be an usher and you can greet people and be friendly when people come in. You can be a section leader and welcome new folks and existing folks and help them get connected. All of us working together, grabbing our corner and together we can see lives transformed and lives changed. And so we can do that inside the walls of the church. 
And we can do that outside.